0: Welcome to the Rich Black Woman Podcast, where we empower you to be rich in mind, body, and bank. This is your girl, Yaz, and join me every episode as I discuss hot topics related to wealth and health to help you enrich your life from the inside out. Let's live richly. Welcome to Rich Black Woman season three. We're super excited to be exploring and expanding our topics beyond just financial health and empowerment, but truly looking at the impact of our health and how we can't have wealth if we don't have health, which is foundational to building that wealth. If the pandemic has taught us nothing, Uh, more than the importance of having a solid foundation of health and the importance, particularly for us as Black people, the importance of having access to quality health care, equitable access, and equitable resources for prevention and also treatment. And so you're gonna hear a lot more from the Rich Black Woman podcast, from experts within the world of health, from physicians, to nurses, to nutritionists, and more experts, subject matter experts, on the topic of prevention and treatment, as well as hearing from us on financial health, subject matter experts, because truly the two are related. You can't have one without the other and good health is a building block for wealth and wealth is a building block for health. So we're going to talk about where the money resides and we're definitely going to be talking about where the health resides. So tune in and thanks for joining along this ride for richer health and richer wealth. What's up party people and RBWs, it's your girl Yaz and I'm back with season three and I'm super excited to share with you all the vision and the mission of the Rich Black Woman podcast moving forward and it's really going to be about the intersection between health and wealth and how we can be healthier and wealthier together because the two rely on one another and give life to one another. So... Today I wanted to share with you guys a pretty cool story that happened back last spring 2021, and something unexpected but really cool happened to me, and I had an opportunity actually to have an impromptu conversation with David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. And this came from, some of you may have heard about their recent initiative, One Million Black Women where they are committing $10 billion to enhance the lives of black women in our communities through direct investment, through a variety of different ways. And so as a part of this program, my comments were selected amongst many that were submitted uh, for this conversation with David Solomon. And in that conversation, I had an opportunity to share with him personal stories and anecdotes related to myself and business as well as from my godmother who's also an entrepreneur and the basic challenges that black people black men and women have and facing challenges to getting access to capital you can have a great credit store and still not get that access to the capital because we know of discrimination in banking and bias and so during this conversation i had to share had an opportunity to share with uh Mr. Solomon about some of these personal challenges. And it was really an opportunity from the C-suite to hear from people living it. uh, What are the real challenges and how can Goldman Sachs through this initiative, which really is uh, quite astounding. And I hope that other companies will follow their lead in creating initiatives like this. In some ways, honestly, it seems like a part of reparations, what we know is due to us, um, from a corporate stance and it's being led by black women, um, who are at Goldman Sachs and leading this initiative to make sure that they're hearing from black women on what our needs are. And what they did first and foremost is that they put together a economic report, basically, uh, analysis of what are the biggest challenges and what are the reasons for this gap in wealth, particularly amongst black women. And as we know, obviously with black men as well in relation to white men and white women. And this report came out this past spring and it's called Black Womenomics. So black womenomics, kind of a play on economics. And what they found is that the earnings gap drives two thirds of the wealth gap. So the wealth gap between black women, white women, white men is this earnings gap. And what that means is that we earn less, not new to us, but we know that we are offered less money. We are also under resourced and, um, denied the opportunity to go into certain types of fields um, and even when we are in those fields of high earning potential high earning potential, we are often not given the same opportunities, the same equitable pay, etc and so the statistics and the numbers don't lie that in comparison to white women, for example, we make fifteen percent less um, than white women and um, In comparison to white men, we make substantially less as well. So over a lifetime, if you're making less than your white counterparts, that is compounded in the same way that compound interest works for you. In this manner, when you are not being paid the same, it works against you. It's less money that you have to put in your retirement. It's less money that you have to invest in other financial products, like let's say life insurance, which then can be passed on as an inheritance to your children and, you know, down the whole line, um, creating wealth for generations. One of the statistics that really struck me was the fact that only one in four black women actually receive an inheritance. Think about that. And nearly 100% of single white men receive an inheritance. And so it's not because their parents are doing more to help them and our parents are doing less. It's simply a matter of the fact that we do not have those resources to pass on. And there's also that lack of knowledge and understanding of how to create those resources, how to attain them so that we can pass them on. So, this show and this platform is really going to be targeting moving forward how do we uh, get on board with reducing the wealth gap there is a 90% wealth gap between black women and white men Um, and so how do we decrease that black white wealth gap how do we take an active, active part In that and doing what we can and knowing what we're up against knowing those challenges how can we advocate for ourselves better how can we encourage our children encourage our family to go into fields that are higher paying how can we ensure that we are skilled and have the necessary tools and education and social capital as well as uh, actual financial capital to move into these fields and opportunities, whether it's entrepreneurship. We know that, you know, not everybody has to go to college. Uh, Not everybody wants to go to college and can be successful in entrepreneurship. Uh, And there's not one size fit all. We also know that there are vocational opportunities with folks who are plumbers, electricians, making fantastic salaries and incomes and livelihoods. So making sure that we even get there too, you know, making sure that our educational systems our schools are not the prison you know the the school to prison pipeline that um we see happening every day ensuring that we are taking those school boards to task making sure that we're protecting our children whether it's that they're in traditional school or they're in uh, perhaps a charter school or homeschooled to ensure that they are not um impeded in any way in their futures so you're going to hear a lot more of references to this womenomics report and also people who we'll do interviews with that are doing this type of work, who are tackling the black white wealth gap and who have expertise and who are subject matter experts. in how do we drive this forward? You're also going to hear more from um, subject matter experts in the world of health who can help us get healthier because we got to be here to fight. We got to be here to live. We got to be here to thrive. We got to be here to have that joy that we are entitled to. It's our God given right. And so the two go together and we're going to be parallel pathing these great two topics because they intersect and we have to um, conquer our wealth challenge and we've got to conquer this health challenge before us as well. Uh, The other thing I wanted to share with you all is just in terms of as we pivot to health, you know, one third of the homes occupied by black women are considered unhealthy. And uh, that's a key fact that was um, shed light on in the Womenomics Goldman Sachs report. And it is pretty substantial that one third of the homes occupied by black women are estimated to be unhealthy and 55% of the women in renting households are also rent burdened. I mean, that's more than half. And what that means when you're rent burdened is that you're spending 30% or more of your income on rent. So further exasperating, you know, and also very stressful, you know, when you don't have, when you're spending all of your pay, all of your income, just to be housed, it leaves you with little room, for investments, right? Uh and so how do we conquer this affordable housing um issue and making sure that we have ownership um that's rightfully due to us. Uh so I want to leave you all with that. We'll also be sharing updates on where the money resides um for black business owners. So We know that one of the number one barriers to wealth uh, for entrepreneurs and for successful thriving black businesses is the access to capital. And since the untimely murder of George Floyd, there have been a um, just a ton of different grant opportunities and loan opportunities for black businesses. And we want to keep you in the know on those. So you're going to get our Where the Money Resides bulletin that's going to shed light on different grants that are coming up. And we're putting together a digital product for you all that you'll be able to download as well with a listing of all of these amazing grants so that you can get your piece of the pie. And oftentimes it doesn't take a lot, folks. Um, It doesn't take a lot at all for you to get these grants. It just takes commitment and many times you can just replicate what you've established, put together for the next grant. So it becomes kind of like a cycle. And sooner or later you're going to get one. And when you get one, you're going to get a taste and you're going to want to do more of these grant applications so that you have the funding and the capital and the reserves to grow your business and to scale and to hire more people of color at your business um, so that we can also create jobs for our community. So with that said. I want to make sure that you all take a look at the Goldman Sachs Black Womenomics report. It's pretty interesting and it's easy to read and it's pretty um, well summarized. You can check it out at 1millionblackwomen.com. You can go to the goldmansachs.com website as well. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at richblackwoman and share this podcast. Give us a review as well on any place that you get your podcast. Until next time, RBWs live richly. Well, that's a wrap RBWs. Thank you for listening to the rich black woman podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you heard and you want more of it, please subscribe to our podcast until next time live richly. Welcome, RBWs, to the Rich Black Woman Podcast. In this episode, we focus on where the money resides in the best jobs, and we talk about the booming industry of cybersecurity and why we need to get into the mix. I'm excited to speak to our next guest about a hot topic and an even hotter industry, and that is cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, the market, is projected to grow from $165 billion this year to over 366 billion by the year 2028. That's just seven years away. Today's crimes are no longer crimes of passion or physical interaction, but can be done remotely and can cost small businesses to large multinational companies millions upon millions of dollars. Protecting your data and your organization from cyber attacks and cyber criminals is critical. To talk about this growing and sexy tech field, I am joined by Khalil Corbin, the co-host of the State of Re podcast, and an executive in the cybersecurity industry. So please welcome our subject matter expert for this podcast, Khalil Corbin. Khalil, welcome to the Rich Black Woman Podcast.
1: Thanks for jo- uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, let's get into it. This season on the RBW podcast, we are doing a deep dive into cracking the wealth divide and the inequities for Black Americans. And according to two recent reports, one by McKinsey Consulting and the other by Goldman Sachs, they agree on this one huge obstacle, and that is that the biggest factors in the racial wealth divide is this disparity of income and wages earned from one's job. And unfortunately, yeah. Black Americans tend to be over-indexed in the most underpaying jobs. And you know, here at the RBW Podcast, we're all about changing that and transforming that. So I know from previous conversations with you, cyber industry, cyber security industry is booming right mm-hmm. now and looking for talent and yeah. it pays really well. Can you give us a little bit of background on you know, what is cybersecurity?
1: yeah so i mean i think you had a great intro and you, you really said it in there but i mean in layman's terms cybersecurity is just protecting our everyday life right our money isn't necessarily physical anymore um our cow our cars right aren't physical anymore uh, it's all ran by a computer and so there has to be something that protects all the data that's stored in our phones and our cars, um, all the way down to our refrigerators, right? Like all these things are now <laughs> live on on the internet. So we have to have a way to protect that, and that is the basics of cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And when you put it in that perspective with those illustrations, everybody touches that. So you really don't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, a part of a big. Uh, company, your life, right, is a, has all these touch points exactly. with your data. I mean, even just our, our phones, our smartphones, yeah. right? Right. Like we all know, and our computers, we all know what happens and what havoc it wreaks on our lives when mm-hmm. we have a virus, let alone if you're working for, you know, a major company that has, let's say, protected health data or, exactly, like you pointed out, like your financial data, right? Um, well, I think. So,
1: think about this way. If you have your phone and then your phone gets lost and it's, or your phone is just in the hands of the wrong person, that's a cybersecurity issue right there. And that could just be your baby cousin who has your phone. That alone is a risk, right? And so any level of protection is considered cybersecurity.
0: Absolutely. So, why is the industry growing at leaps and bounds right now and why is this such a hot field
1: well right now you know mostly you know a large percentage of us are experiencing work from home and the work from home trend because of the pandemic really uh, catapulted the industry alongside of that work from home trend we saw things like cryptocurrencies boom which is a blockchain form of, of money. It's a, it's, a, it's a blockchain currency. Um, so we saw these new industries emerge from work from home and there had to be a way to protect that. And then on top of that, there were data leaks, right? At all these top com- uh, companies. Um, and we saw that there just wasn't an efficient way that, people, that people's data uh, were, were protected. And so with the emergence of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and all the other coins out there, hackers began to get into these systems, go to these companies, and even governments and even hospitals, and attack the data that's all stored in the cloud. And then they would ask for ransom. Hey, we want $50,000 in Bitcoin, and we will release this data back to you. So wow. the whole right, the whole robbery that was taking place was digital. The money was digital. <laughs> the data leak, you know, they may have sent an email to an employee. That employee opened up the email, boom, now they're into the system. So yeah. every, every way that hackers got into the system was completely digitized, and they would get paid, and they would get these large sums of money, and there was no way to trace it. Um, and what was happening was these companies weren't Protected. No one ever thought about protecting their digital way of life.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It sounds like a movie plot, but it's real life, right? It's real life. And we, yeah. we have a
1: push right now from the White House um, that Joe Biden just released a few days ago, um, pushing for cybersecurity in the White House, into the FBI, into the CIA. Um, And they have like three years basically to uh, protect themselves
0: to get it (laughs) together. Wow. Yeah. Which is
1: a long time in this field because it could happen tonight.
0: Yeah. I was going to say three years seems a little too long um, Mm -hmm. for something so important. That's very interesting though. And it's not like the next, you know, um, 007 movie or it's not the next born spy thriller but it's real life and everybody can be impacted by it. Uh, It's interesting too, that you mentioned like how these cyber criminals, robbers can get and breach the system. It makes me Mm -hmm. think of, you know, the, um, uh, a lot of the it emails that you get from your it department and they're always talking about, you know, phishing emails and doing little phishing tests to see if, Exactly. you can recognize a threat, right? And mm-hmm. they're becoming more frequent about it. And in fact, I know that some companies are, like if you don't pass that little test, yeah. then your name goes on a list. Like, hey, the exactly. person needs to get it together. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and understand, you know, don't don't be opening every email that you, you see or clicking on this and this and that. Right. So obviously... You know, with the backing of the United States White House. And as you mentioned, the, you, and I love the way you said that, um, how the pandemic catapulted basically this industry even light years ahead than where it was because everyone mm-hmm. is working remotely. So yeah. obviously, that means that there is opportunity for new careers within this industry and can you talk a little bit about you know where are those opportunities like what you know we hear about there's you know health professionals are needed and people are retiring and but what about you know this is an area of i think the tech world that not a lot of people are familiar with and certainly not necessarily in our community so what are those jobs are that are available and what's the training that's required to be qualified to secure those jobs?
1: Definitely. So the jobs that are available, you know, span across, you know, all of everything that you would possibly be able to think of, right? Your communications professionals, your your coders, your software engineers, your developers. Um, So if you are trained and skilled in those areas, then there's a ton of jobs in this industry open and they're typically gonna pay i would say maybe between 10 and maybe 20 percent more than they would in a different industry on the other side of this there is the what you would call like certification level you know where you don't need traditional school or a traditional degree to enter the industry Um, so for example our sales department you don't necessarily have to have a degree to enter into sales Um, There are certificates available um, for the sales department. And did you ask how, did you ask like what they would pay?
0: Yeah, that's another question. What's their earning potential?
1: So with sales, if you guys are familiar with sales, then the earning potential is unlimited, right? You get a commission, you get a base salary. Um, And so Frank, I mean, on the low end, I mean you're probably bringing a hundred thousand dollars exactly, right? Like that's just the low end. On the high end, I mean you have high earners making four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year um just off commission and, and base. So right. um they they say up here in I'm in the Bay Area Silicon Valley, they say up here that the housing market um jumped up so high because of all the salespeople.
0: people. <laughs> wow.
1: Like, because they're coming in with, with, with cold cash, hundred, 200 grand and buying their homes.
0: Yeah. Wow. So,
1: um, you have the sales side and then there's things like just your day to day it business partners. If you have simple coding language like HTML or, or Python, which can all be learned for free. Um, you can be an IT business partner, and IT business partners make around the same amount, but the earning potential isn't as high. So you'll probably cap out around 150, 160,000. Uh, but that's cons- a huge and considerable amount of money for not having a degree.
0: Yeah. And I um, just want to like underline that because, you know, what you're saying is you can earn six figures without a degree. Some training is required and Mm -hmm. obviously there's going to be training that's required to be a sales professional too, but it's a different type of training. A lot of that training is, you know, really about presentation skills and being, you know, in sales, you have to be a hard worker. But, you know, look at the upside and the ROI on that Um, and being able to have relationship skills and building skills um, with, you know, from a cold interaction to a hot interaction, providing value. Um, yeah. And those are all skill sets that I think we, um, you know, my audience and I think we as Black people, we are good at building relationships with people because oftentimes we're kind of the only person or we're good at kind of that emotional intelligence that you need to have because we've been forced to work with different types of people and mm-hmm. to navigate Um, sometimes unfriendly territories or territories that we're just not sure about. And so I think there's a way that we have a certain kind of sixth sense that actually uniquely equips us to be successful in sales and also just in some of these more dynamic industries that are growing where you have to be able to pivot really quickly um, and adapt really quickly. So when you talk about
1: sales, one of the issues that uh, a sales leader and a sales executive has, you know, told me about, you know, black and brown people is that we don't want to do the labor. You know, a lot of times with sales, you have to carry a bag, right. And you have to have your products with you, but the upside in technology is it's a software. You can't carry that. Right. It lives in a database. So there's, there's a ton of upside with sales, right. Sometimes. And some companies, you may get a car, Right. You may get uh, just additional resources that can help you in your day to day life. So it, sales is something to look into. And then the other side of the profession, which is IT business partner or, or cybersecurity analyst, you know, are definitely worth looking into. You make six figures with, you know, maybe 26 weeks of training.
0: Wow. And where do folks go if they're interested in this training and getting these certifications?
1: There are a number of resources, and um, I saw one the other day called SV Academy, and it is a tech sales certification, and um, I am a big fan of something called YouTube. I call it YouTube University. Mm -hmm. You can almost find anything on there, and and honestly, what I would do if, if I were looking for that today, I would type in tech sales certifications and look at testimonials, and look at programs, and um, and enroll in one, or I would look at cybersecurity analyst um, certifications on YouTube, and you're going to find the resources and the tools you need. If you need a free program, I would type that in. Um, also, another resource that is definitely worth looking into is, is a simple Google search of Cybersecurity Academy, right? Some of the top companies you have palo alto networks you have cisco you have mcafee have set up these academies that are stemming from the junior colleges from high schools and major universities to where you graduate from the program they pull you into an internship and then they hire you on full-time or contract um and you may not come in uh, just going back a little bit, you may not come in directly making that six figures, but right. you'll be a whole you'll be a whole lot closer, right? Yeah. You may come in making seventy five, may come in making eighty, but two years from now, you'll make that jump. Right. So it's about getting some skin in the game, getting your foot in the door, and then once you're in, you're in.
0: That's awesome, awesome, awesome. Well it sounds like this isn't a field that's going away anytime soon. And we are in the great, I guess I would say, you know, the great pandemic pivot, people are starting to stop and think, and they have been for the last 18 months, what they want to do next, how they want to get value out of their lives, building, you know, their families and passing on generational wealth. Um, and I, one of the biggest ways we can do that is to increase our income and earning potential so that we then have the resources to invest in uh, okay. real estate and other financial services and products to help um, build up our community. So I thank you, Khalil Cordman, for joining us and dropping all of these great tools and resources. It was, um, can you repeat the name of the academy again that you really liked?
1: For sales, the Academy that I recently discovered is SV Academy for coding, um, HTML, Python, there's a free resource that I'm pretty knowledgeable about is uh, my free coding Academy, which can be found on YouTube. Um, But there is a program associated to that that will certify you, um, which I work with people on a day to day basis who have these certifications. And our six-figure earners. And to your point about legacy and, and, and leaving things behind, right? The biggest thing that you said in there was it gives you the financial freedom to invest. Yeah. Which which the underlying point of that is equity. Yeah. And what I didn't mention earlier is that a lot of these roles are equity given positions. So you're given equity in the company. Wow an additional financial resource which can be spent once it best or hey you let it sit there and you let it grow or you trade or you know whatever you, you you would like to do with it
0: yeah absolutely and for those who may be less familiar with what equity is and how that can pay off can you share a little bit just simply what that means
1: yeah so equity is and what I'm referring to is stock in the company. So that's what I mean when I say equity. And you're given a stock grant in um, in, a, in, a, in a few different roles. Maybe the exception is sales because you're earning potential so high. But with that, you're given a grant. Let's say the grant is $70,000. The $70,000 will vest over a four-year period, maybe three to four-year period. And it'll be valued um it'll have a certain value per share so if you're given 70 grand in a grant you may have 200 shares in the company your 365 days is up they may grant you 40 shares and that may come out to twenty thousand dollars before tax maybe you get 15 after whatever that number is yeah and um it's stock. You can you can sell it. You can you can liquidate it. You can trade it. It's all up to you. Or you can keep it. <laughs> or you can keep it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So a lot of benefits too and perks, which is good to hear. Yeah. Um, would you say that once like someone gets this type of certification, like how would they? Do they need to do some networking? Are there any like organizations that they should be joining? Is it simply kind of like? being visible on LinkedIn, how do they connect? Yeah.
1: Now, I mean, that's a great question. And I would really refer to a sales expert, but I think once you're certified or, or you're once you are pursuing that certification, you would want to lean on the network of the academy that you're attending. Maybe the professors have a connection. Maybe the professor is in sales at the same time, right? You never know. And um, I, I would start there. And I think LinkedIn is always a good way, just as you said, um, making yourself marketable, reaching out to recruiters. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much. This has been Incredibly insightful, and I think you gave some really good action items for anyone that is interested in launching into the cybersecurity space. Um, and not only for you know folks maybe who from younger you know looking into you know maybe they're um, in college or decided not to go to college. Um, yeah. This could be a career pivot, or for those folks who are mid career too and want to learn something new. It sounds like the demand is there and the opportunity. So thank you so much, Khalil. And um, thank you for enriching the RBW uh, podcast. No problem.